the Lord Mayor of Liverpool? Well, the Lord Mayor of Liverpool is known as the first citizen and chosen representative of the city, acting as a focal point for the community, as well as promoting the city and forging national and international links. The Lord Mayor of Liverpool is always serving councillor, elected by full city council. We have the Lord Mayor of Liverpool, Councillor Anna Rothery. Welcome to your Manchester Extra, Councillor Anna Rothery. Hello there, Caroline. Lovely to join you. Tell us about the young Anna growing up. The young Anna growing up? Oh, gosh, I don't know if I can remember that far back, but I'll try. Um, well, I didn't have the easiest of starts in life, actually. Um, I had a debilitating illness, which was epilepsy, and it was quite severe. And so um, my start in life wasn't great. I used to um, be schooled at a, a special needs school. Um, but, you know, my uh, illness in, in, in comparison to some of the children I schooled with was not really that serious. I schooled with children who had polio, you know, because it was like the 60s, the mid to late 60s. And polio was still a very, very um, part, you know, strong part of our life back then. And then also children who had terminal cancer, uh, respiratory uh, diseases, asthma, you know, things like that. And so I was schooled with children who were really, really um, going through personal challenges um, and really struggling. And so, you know, but on the plus side, it gave me a great insight uh, and a great understanding about empathy and understanding the needs of others. Um, I used to wing the children. Some of the children didn't have uh, the confidence to, you know, to speak up and be heard or to stand up for themselves. Um, and, you know, yeah. we were children. And so, you know, the boys still used to pull the hair of the girls like all naughty boys used to do. But, you know, the difference being as many of the girls used to wear wigs because they'd been through cancer treatment, etc. And so um, being a little bit of a tomboy as I was, I used to not think twice about giving them a little thump and, and telling them to behave. So um, so that's where my real sense of injustice and uh, standing up, you know, for people uh, with little voices who can't really speak out for themselves came from. Who was the influence in your family that encouraged you going forward? Uh, it, was, it was definitely my mother. My mother was widowed quite young. Um, she had four children um, to, to raise. And so you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And so she had to be quite inventive uh, in terms of how she would move forward. She wanted to be a taxi driver. And basically what happened was that she, um, she, she harassed them basically until they gave in. And so she was finally given a job as a taxi driver. And I believe she was the first woman taxi driver in Liverpool. And so- That's fantastic. Um, yeah, so that was a great gain for women. You know, outside of her work in life, she was a huge community activist as well. And so she took on uh, the slum landlords in the early 70s over the substandard housing that many of us lived in. I mean, any one of my age will remember uh, we used to live in big houses and rooms. You know, the, the, it, it's almost as though the country is going back to the same way of, of um, housing in terms of houses of multiple occupation. They were the original houses of multiple occupation and they were quite dire. Um, and so she, she, you know, she spoke up, she went to meet with the landlord, she went on Granada reports, and she talked about the abysmal state of the housing and how people were forced to live. She was really active in terms of 
um, you know, our unions. She was a trade unionist. And so um, I used to get dragged around, um, you know, to various marches, etc. And also with the uh, Stanley House Youth Club, they had a, a young, um, you know, um, union membership. And they used to take us off on the marches for the miners and the dockers and, you know, the Shrewsbury too. And, you know, you probably wouldn't get away with it these days. But as young kids, we used to put the mounds of bread, you know, for the marches when they finished the march. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and disappear, you know, behind all the bread, uh, which was then served <laughs> with the pots of soup that were made by, the, made by the women. And that's the way things were done back then. I was going to say, how did you get into politics? But it's a natural step, to be fair. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I be, before I'd been active in the community politics because I'd, I'd worked on a number of government initiatives. I, I managed, you know, the first community not-for-profit profit contract on Action Team for Jobs. I managed the Jobs Education and Training Programme. I was chair of Granby Toxted Partnership, uh, which was the uh, body that worked with Objective One funding. Um, I also worked on, I delivered the first trainee social entrepreneurs programme in the country under the Lord Scarman programme. Um, but I came very, very disillusioned, um, you know, because although in theory, these were great initiatives to bring people into education and uh, to lift people out of poverty and to also uh, ensure that, you know, there was employment at the end of it. What, I was really frustrated about is that these initiatives failed time and time again and so that was when I decided I wanted to go into politics because I wanted to change the narrative about these initiatives and I wanted to be part of the decision-making process and also um, you know at that time there was a lack of representation of women of colour and so that was another reason why I wanted to go into politics so uh, I stood for Princess Park, which is a great honour because it's it's my community where I was raised. Um, and so I stood for Princess Park in 2006 and I've been the Labour councillor there ever since. Um, and so it's great to be oh. able to work in your own community. The catalogue of things that, you, that you've said, which ones were you, more, you most proud of? I, I, you know, I've, I've got a great sense of pride in terms of representing my community. Um, you know, and, you know, to be able to sustain that over a long period of time, you know, you know, I've been able to do that because I can go back into the fold of my community, you know, because it hasn't been easy. Um, you know, for the first six years, I was the only black councillor in Liverpool City Labour Party in Liverpool City Council. Um, you know, and it was a very lonely place, to be quite honest with you. Um, but I used to gain my energy uh, and recharge my batteries by going back into my community all the time. And, and in a real sense of, um, you know, I grew up with not an apathy, but a, a realistic outlook on life. And, and I looked around me mm. and I thought, well, where are the opportunities for me? You know, am I going to get an education? Am I going to get a good job? And so, you know, whenever I felt like I was flagging a little bit, I'd go back into the fold and, you know, listen to, you know, the, the issues that people would talk about and listen to the aspirations. And, and that was one of the things that I'm really proud of, that I was able to keep that focus. And, you know, I think I'm also proud of the fact that, you know, I, I'm a working class woman. You know, I come from mm. the people that I represent. You know, I live and breathe it. It's, you know, it doesn't feel like a job or a chore. You know, all these years later, I still enjoy representing my community. I'm a 50-50 ambassador. 
Um, and I have to ask you this question. What would you say to a young woman thinking about going into politics? Do it. Don't, 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 you know, don't, you know, waver on it. Do it, you know. I mean, I've spent a lot of time with young people demystifying politics because, you know, for me, that was a challenge. I, I, I thought, although I wanted to do it, I thought, you know, politics isn't for people like me. And so, you know, to a young gannet, I'd say politics is for people like you. And I've got a question. What would you say to the to an eighteen year old Anna? Do you know what? At eighteen, I'd you know I'd gone into my first employment uh, from when I left school, and I'd had such a harsh experience. It was my first sort of um, introduction to institutional racism. I'd gone to mm. work in a local, you know, one of the big big retailers. And I was on a, a food counter. I used to work on the food counter and I used to sell, you know, all kinds of cooked meats and cheese, etc. And a woman had come in to buy some shopping and uh, she'd ordered two ounces of cheese. So I went to, I mean, we used to cut it with a wire back then. And so I went to cut the cheese with a wire. And the next thing this woman had, you know, gave out an unmerciful scream. I thought she was dying and everybody ran to it. And when the manager got to him and he was like, are you okay, what's wrong? She went, I don't want anybody with black hands cutting my cheese. And, you know, for me, at that tender age, you know, because, you know, I've, I've grown up in, I suppose, a bit of a vacuum in a predominantly black community, very mixed, diverse, you know, Muslim, Somali, you know, Malay mm. and Chinese. And so it never ever been an issue for me uh, prior to that. Um, but that mm. was my first experience of, you know, systemic racism. How did you come back from that? I came back fighting, actually. Um, I came back fighting um, because what happened is the manager moved me off the food and put me on uh, shoes uh, with this not-so-nice woman who was notorious for not being nice to the younger uh, members of staff. And, um, you know, so I went to the manager and I said, well, I think this is very unfair. You know, I said, I haven't done anything wrong. And, you know, you moved me from my job to another job. And, um, and it didn't go down very well. I can, I can assure you it didn't go down well at all. But I had mm. this inherent feeling that, you know, it was injustice and I had to stand up for myself and for, mm -hmm. and for other people, really. I think this is, this is where we, um, we, we, we agree and get on with, you know, with things like that. You, you basically have to stand up and call it out. And, and, and you do, you have to. And, and, you know, and it can be quite a scary place when you choose to challenge. And you can, it can make you very unpopular. But, you know, the reality is you have to stay true to your principles and, you know, and stand your ground. And, you know, and don't, know, don't just think about you as an individual. I always, when things get difficult for me, I move my focus away from myself. And I think about our little sisters coming through, you know, who are yes. going to, you know, you, you're removing the barriers for our little sisters when they come through. And, and so that's how um, I sort of, um stay the pace shall we say in terms of yeah. making sure that i don't back down on the issues talking about our little sisters you know our little nieces and and daughters and little sisters coming up so the Bassman awards are celebrating black asian minority ethnic women who are doing some amazing things uh, so women of racial groups from past present and future and what they are doing is passing the baton down, encouraging and empowering our young sisters coming forward.
and yeah. and this is leads me on nicely to you winning the baton award passing the baton down yeah talk to us about the baton awards well i was i was really surprised with the baton awards because um i i literally got um an email saying you know you've been nominated for the baton awards and I, although i'd heard about them previously it was a it was a national thing so it was london based um and you know and i've always championed the north the northwest and, and liverpool you know and made sure mm. you know make sure that we have our you know our platform as well you know as well as the, mm. the and so i was really surprised when the information came through and so i was invited down to london and the baton awards is done through the house of lords and i won a, an award uh, for being the most um promising i should say um black politician female politician and you know what it was so emotional um because you know we don't do what we do for recognition we really don't um mm. you know it was a big thing it was a really big thing for me because you know you just keep going and you keep going and, and we do that for our own reasons and the pandemic saw you delivering food during <laughs> lockdown tell us about that yeah well actually it was prior to the pandemic it was when the you know the changes in universal credit came about my community uh, that i represent were really struggling in terms of the um, universal credit and the, and it impacted massively on families um you know uh, even families in work families out of work and families in work as well on low incomes and so we set up the hungry must be fed firstly in response to universal credit we launched it thinking that we'd get a couple of family members coming along and we, had, we ended up feeding 80 people on the launch and so we continued to feed people and that those numbers grew and grew and then the next thing right on the back of universal credit we found ourselves in the pandemic too and so that was about um you know looking after our vulnerable and our elders as well and so that the, the numbers significantly rose then and so uh, we had to look at how we went about doing things a little bit differently and um, so um it was about the logistics of keeping food fresh you know i'm a firm advocate that you know if people are suffering from food poverty that doesn't mean that we give them substandard food they deserve the best like everybody else but the logistics of keeping everything fresh was very challenging so i started to work with a company that used to cook the meals um you know restaurant standard meals and then freeze them and so how we did it would we deliver on a monday seven lunches and seven evening meals and then that would have like whatever you know we had on the day so fresh bread you know some desserts whatever was donated and it worked really well and so we did that through the first wave we rallied really quickly um you know and my team who came together were wonderful we rallied quickly and we started to hit the ground running and we started getting those meals out and so we, we delivered thousands and thousands of meals and then the stuff that was excess on any given day we used to take that into the community centers and so local community centers like the methodist and the unity center in liverpool eight and you know there were some children that were going home and they weren't going home to a hot meal they might be going home to a piece of toast they might be going home to nothing and so we used to drop meals off for the children as well and they'd have a good meal as well and uh, an authentic stuff a bit of jerk chicken and rice and stuff like that we had a woman who'd just recovering from brain surgery she had a brain tumor and she was at home and she had a, a son who had special needs 
Um, but he was he was a grown man, you know, he was a young adult. And she couldn't stand at the cooker just to, you know, even boil an egg. You know, she literally was bed bound. And so people like that who were totally dependent on the service. And so we continued it and continued it right through the universal credit, the first wave of the pandemic and the second wave of the pandemic. And just today, I've been in West Derby with the farm support and food banks who do a food pantry. Um, and so people are still dependent on food, um, even today. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, you know, it's amazing the way people rally around to look after people who need the help. But the reality is, you know, we should be a just society where government picks up the slack and makes sure that food poverty is like not around any longer. Liverpool City Council, actually the last full council meeting and we've just become the first right to food city which is about how we challenge uh, you know poverty food poverty for children and adults in the city um, quite clearly number one for no poverty and and uh, number three for health and well-being but of course your gender equality number five and reducing inequalities number 10 so you are from your mayoral standpoint and your councillor standpoint um, working towards those sustainable development goals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on the equality agenda, I mean, I've always been a fervent, you know, supporter and fighting up for injustice around inequality. And so I work with, you know, right across uh, equality for all. Uh, people look at me and go, well, she's a woman of colour, you know, she only deals with race inequality. That's not true. I work with right across the equality groups. And so I've just become the patron for Sea Magic, which is Merseyside and Cheshire, our first reference centre for transgender uh, people so that they can go and get information, advice and support. And I also sit on the Navajo, which is our LGBT community. Um, I, I do a lot of work around race inequality. I've just done some work with Liverpool Hope University, introducing a, a social works programme and a teacher's programme for uh, people of colour from our diverse community and access to social work and teaching and also um, working around the infrastructure. Uh, because as we know, uh, we try to advance our communities from the equality groups. Often it's quite an alien environment and so we have to do something about that environment so that's a welcoming and safe environment for people. And so working with the uh, Hope University and uh, the Vice-Chancellor um, Gerald Pile, uh, who's got a real commitment to equality for all. We've managed to look at how we recruit staff as well internally. So looking at, you know, the uh, peer, peer mentors and looking at education, pra uh, practice educators, and also looking at our tutors and so that there's more diversity in our universities. And it's also about making sure that that support mechanism is there. We know where the difficulties are. We know where the bottlenecks are. And we need to make sure that we alleviate the majority of the issues so that our students can qualify and go on to find secure employment at the end of it. Uh, I want you to do a one minute standalone message, not even one minute, but a yeah. short message to empower all women of yeah. all races for our International Women's Day show. Right. For all those women out there, you know, just keep doing what we're doing. We're powerful. We're fierce. And we're coming through a pandemic, but we are an integral part of the recovery, whether it's in terms of, you know, caring for, you know, our children and our elders, whether it's about continuing to grow our businesses and up into the local economy. 
and just being present and in the moment, being strong role model models for our little sisters moving forward. And also, you know, just being there to just keep our fingers on the pulse. You know, the, there's never a true saying than the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. We, if you look around internationally, we've got so many women in leadership positions internationally, and they're all doing a tremendous job. So there we go. We've got some great role models to, you know, live, live up to. And we're also role models within our own rights. For every powerful woman out there, there's a young sister looking at us and saying, one day I want to be just like her. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, right, final question. I love that. Final question. What's next for Anna Rothery? I don't think it's any secret that I'm actually running for elected mayor of Liverpool at the moment. Um, you know, and what does I, that what does that mean for the so so break that down for the um, for the listeners and viewers? Yeah, and so the elected mayor is the elected mayor who makes decisions about the city, around policy, around international affairs, around trade and industry, about the growth sector, about employment, about procurement, you name it, and the mayor does that. And so there's um, you know there's an opportunity arisen in the city for the new mayor. So I've been shortlisted along with two other candidates and I am going through the process and enjoying every moment. Um, and so I'm in the middle of a campaign at the moment. And so what's next for me in the future? Hopefully I will be Liverpool's uh, first woman of colour to be an elected mayor in this city. Can I just say, Lord Mayor of Liverpool, Councillor Anna Rothery, thank you so much for your time. It's greatly appreciated and, um, you know, you know I'm a friend of Liverpool and you're a friend of Manchester. Let's stay connected and um, stay safe. Thank you very much. Thank you.